Thank you so much, Pastor. And it is such a blessing for us to be with you guys uh, this morning. It's been a long time. I told Brother Adam I didn't even recognize his kids. I think the last time I saw everybody in your family was over in Cambodia four or five years ago. And crazy how time flies and how we all change over the years. Isn't that something? But uh, God has been so gracious to us, and we cannot thank you em uh, enough for your faithful prayers and support for us over the past several years in the Philippines, especially in the last couple years, and especially in the process of trying to get over here. Uh, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. As you understand, any socialist-type country leaning toward communism is just a matter of control, and weird things happen, and process, and all the protocols, and things you have to do to make everybody happy, so they just give you the stamp, you know, just leave, leave, that sort of thing. But God was gracious to us. And many times when we left our area up in Ilocos Norte to travel down to Manila to eventually get on the plane, we could see God's hand in various ways. And that was what was really neat for us, just to see, oh, we thought this is going to be a mess. And then you see, well, God had a plan in that way. We needed to uh, have a little uh, rest time. And then, oh, what about this? Well, God had a plan for that as well. And what about this? You know, there's a big storm coming up in New York when we arrived. Well, God had a plan for that as well. And so all of it, we just kind of see God working through it. And just even to the stage that we're, we're with you guys this morning. And uh, so it is a blessing. Uh, again, later this afternoon, we'll share about the ministry more in detail, kind of what happened. And uh, that's another story in, in, in itself. And so we're excited about that. But this morning, uh, it's a privilege for me to share and open God's word. And so if you would open your Bible right now to the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua and chapter 24. I'm going to use my cell phone today. Normally, I don't do that, but... Uh, didn't print out the notes, you know, so there's the problem. The printer wasn't available, so we'll do it on the cell phone. But open your Bible to the book of Joshua and uh, chapter 24. We'll read verses 14 through 27. And I will tell you, this is only the third, is that the third time that I have spoken in English for the past who knows how many years. So uh, if occasionally you hear some speaking in tongues, we do have an interpreter. Hudson can interpret for you. And uh, so if you hear some odd words thrown out occasionally, just kind of ignore them. We'll try to get back on schedule a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's challenging, Pastor, you know, uh, but that's what we'll do. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? We'll start at verse 14, uh, Joshua 24. We'll start at verse 14. We'll read responsibly as well. And I'll read the first, ver uh, first verse here. Verse 14, the Bible says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For 
And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And the, Lord, and the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone, and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So Joshua let the people depart and every man unto his inheritance. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning that you have given to us. Thank you for health that you have given to us as well and the kindness of everyone here, the faithfulness of everyone. Thank you for Pastor and his faithfulness to the ministry here and Brother Adam and the others. It is a blessing to see the faces. It's been a long time since we have seen everyone and Lord, and, and it is a good thing to see everyone in, the, in your house. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless this uh, short challenge today, this challenge, and use it to encourage us in our walk with thee. And I pray, the Lord, if there is one that is not yet saved, they have not made this decision to trust in, 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 in Jesus as their Savior, that they would understand the importance of that decision and do that today. Lord, bless this service. And uh, I just pray that you would work here and uh, in our hearts and in our minds and take away any distractions, Lord. And that's our prayer request. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When you read the story of Apostle Paul, we see that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In fact, he was not ashamed to be a witness for Christ wherever he went. He boldly declared Christ in front of everyone he met through his actions and through his words. He was a true witness of Christ. I notice sometimes, I'm a church planner in the Philippines, and I've noticed that sometimes, many times believers, uh, new believers, seem to be shy to be a witness for Christ. Of course, they are not ashamed to be known as Christians, and uh, when they come to church or if they're fellowshipping with other believers, but when they're with a group of believers, or uh, sorry, when they're with a group of people who are not believers, the, a shyness will seem to come upon them, and, and they do their best just just to kind of fit in, you know? It's kind of like they have a, uh, uh, a policy, uh, if you don't ask, I won't tell kind of policy. It's not that they are denying Christ. In fact, if you ask them, they'll tell you, yes, I am a Christian. But it's the idea that we're going to keep this quiet. 
You know, and maybe if you ask me, I'll admit it, I'll say it. But other than that, no, I'm not going to tell you. I remember hearing his story one time about a fisherman who trusted in Christ during his leave of absence from the boat. And he was a little concerned about returning to his boat because he knew that everyone else on the boat were unbelievers. He was also a little bit afraid of what others would say to him because he was part of that group before. In other words, he was not saved. And so he did everything that everybody else did on the boat and it wasn't good. So he spoke with his pastor and he said, Pastor, what do I need to know about this? And the pastor shared with him right away, you need to uh, be honest. You need to declare up front who you are in Christ and you need to be a witness for Christ. That's what his pastor said. You need to pray about how you're going to go about and do this, right? So he decided, he started praying about this. And Lord, what should I do? How should I be a witness in front of my workers here? And so the Lord worked on his heart and he said, I'll get my Bible out. And, and when I arrive on the boat, I'll, put, I'll arrive early, put it at the head of my bed on my pillow, a Bible. And I'll also write a note there. And the note said, I am a Christian, simply just like that. That's all it was. And so he wrote that out. Now, you can imagine what happened. As soon as all the other sailors and all the other fishermen started coming on the boat and putting their gear in their bunk and, and they look over and they say, what, a Bible? You know, what's that all about? And, and then they see that little note, I am a Christian. You know, what, what's this all about? And of course, they immediately found him, started laughing at him. You can imagine started laughing at him. And what's this? You're a Christian now. You're you're a Bible thumper now. You're, you're going to carry your Bible wherever you go. And you can imagine the conversation that went on. But he said, I am a Christian now. He said, I did trust in Jesus to be my savior during the leave. And yes, the Bible is important to me at this time. And, and you can imagine all these things that happen. But his statement and his Bible what, in, in other words, in his statement that he would be witness became uh, he would be different, became a witness unto him and unto his fellow workers. In other words, they knew what to expect because he said, I am a Bible believing Christian. They knew what to expect. And he also had a responsibility to act in that way. He had a witness Perhaps you remember the story of Jacob and his father-in-law Laban. In Genesis chapter 31, Jacob, with all of his family, left uh, Laban in secret. They didn't tell Laban why. They didn't tell Laban where they were going. Well, of course, uh, we know this because his relationship with Laban was not that good. In other words, they were both kind of deceptive. They deceived one another all the time. There were many things they didn't want to say. They didn't have any good conversations with one another. So they just kind of left. And uh, when Laban found out they left, he said, I got to go find out what happened to him. So he started chasing after them and he followed him. Eventually he caught up with them. And in their conversation that the two of them had, they brought up several things that they should Sana have brought up before. In other words, they should have talked about some of these things when Jacob was back with Laban, when they were working together, right? They should have done this already, but they didn't. So they talked about these things. And after that, the Bible says in Genesis 31 that they decided to set up a heap of witness. And the Bible says they gathered some stones together and they made a pillar. And they said, this is our heap of witness. 
And the idea with that heap of witness is this. They're saying, Jacob is saying, this is a witness between me and you <laughs> that I will not go beyond this stone. And this is what I will do. And this is what my family will do. And that's the same thing. Laban, when he would see those rocks there, the family, they would see that heap of witness. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I am going to do or not going to do. And they had clarity in their decision there. In the story we read earlier here in Joshua, Joshua is about to die. He is sharing with all the tribes and leaders about what God has done for them in leading them out of Egypt and leading them into the promised land. He told them that they needed to fear the Lord, he said, and serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth, according to verse 14. We read that earlier. In verse 15, he told them to choose whom they would serve. He had already made the decision for himself, right? He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We know the verse. We've memorized it. Hey, that was his heap of witness, right? You understand that? Everybody knew what Joshua and his family were going to do. They were going to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. They could expect that they would do that. His family knew, the leaders knew, the common people knew. There was no confusion <clears throat> about what Joshua and his family would do. In verse 16, the people said, God forbid, we read it, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and, and serve other gods. And Joshua pressed them about their decision. We see that and he said in verse 19, you cannot serve the Lord. You can't do it. God is holy. Meaning God expects you to be different, to be set apart from the other nations. That's what Joshua is saying to them. Joshua also told them, hey, God is a jealous God. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, God will not show his grace to you, his favor to you, if you give worship or service to anyone or anything other than God. That's what he was saying right there. The people said in verse 21, we will serve the Lord, Amen. right? That's what they said. And that's their heap of witness, you could say that. That seems pretty strong, doesn't it? We will serve the Lord. So Joshua said in verse 22, he said, all right, you are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, okay, we are witnesses. They then made a covenant, made a statute, an ordinance. They took a great stone underneath it uh, and set it underneath an oak tree. And the stone became a witness for those people. In other words, it was near the sanctuary. Every time they came near the sanctuary, they would see that stone and it would remind them, hey, this is our witness. We said we will serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. That's our witness. That's our testimony. We will do that. When they would leave the sanctuary, they'd see that stone there, right? And they would say, hey, our testimony, our witness is what? We will serve the Lord. No confusion, right? No confusion at all. You know, my friends, in many relations today, you know our world is confused today. We have no idea what's going on. In relationships, there's confusion. And we know most of the time it's lack of communication. Last night, we, uh, my brother invited us to attend a little um, Valentine's type thing. 
And uh, it was kind of funny because there were some young couples and then there were some older couples. So they had, you know, a little game where you see how much you know your spouse, that sort of thing. And the ironic thing was uh, you had your, your youngest couple, you know, been married maybe only a couple months. Yeah, they didn't know much about each other. They kind of failed the quiz. <laughs> it's kind of humorous. All right. But then you had, a, we also had a very old couple. And they've been married a long time. And the funny thing was, is they, when they took the quiz, they missed a lot as well. And then they're looking at each other. I, I, I thought, I, I thought I, I knew this about you. And then, so I'm, we're listening to their conversation. Well, I didn't know that, you know. And, and what's happening? Well, there's, there, there, because of lack of communication, there's sometimes confusion in our lives. Sometimes we as husbands don't tell our wives things we need to tell our wives, Right? Like, I'm going to be working late tonight. I'm going here. I'm going to be back at this time. And you didn't come back at this time. And she cooked a great meal for you. And then it got cold. And then you come in. You, a little confusion there. It's, it happens. We understand that. Hey, sometimes in a job situation, there's confusion. Maybe the employer was not very clear with the employee what is expected of them. And so something happens in the job and there's some confusion there and there's a little bit of infighting and, 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 and there's a problem. Hey, even in a school, there's issues of communications, right? I remember when I was studying in Clemson, I would have a teacher uh, uh, that was really good in communication and then I had some that were not. And so they would give an assignment out and we would look at the assignment and be kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, how am I supposed to do this? And to, so you go up and ask the teacher and he wasn't very clear in it. And so you kind of just, I'll just leave it up to you, he would say. Just do whatever you think is right. And eh. there was just a mess. And so you had assignments coming all over the place, confusion. And uh, we've seen that before. You know, I remember the last job that I had before I started deputation, before we started deputation back in 2004, 2001, we moved up to Connecticut, and I had a, a position as a consultant and with a, uh, with a fairly large company. And so after the interviews, and I was having the last interview with the owners of the company, and after all, a bunch of different things, they asked me this. They said, is there anything that you would like to ask us? That's what they said. And uh, or say to us, that's they kind of gave me an opportunity. And now I didn't really understand this heap of witness at that time. I wasn't thinking in that way. But Christy and I had made a decision when we had moved north back in 2001 that we were going to serve the Lord in his way. We had made that decision before we moved north. So I knew at that time, hey, that's the time I need to make a, a heap of witness. And so I told them, I said, I'm, I'm actually a Christian. And their next question was, what does that mean to us? You know, it's a company. What does it mean to us that you're a Christian? And I said, well, I guess I, could, I said it means simply this. On Sunday, I'm going to be at church. Really? What if you have a client that needs you on Sunday? Because most of my clients were, uh, you know, they lived in the suburbs of New York City and, and Connecticut and up in that area. So what if your client needs you on Sunday? I said, well, you're more than welcome to give my uh, clients to my, one of my coworkers. I said, that's OK. You'll lose your commission. You might even lose the, the, the customer. I said, that's OK, because the God that saved me can also provide for me. As simple as that. 
And so they kind of looked at each other, you know, they, they literally did. They looked at each other. I could see it. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to get the job. And what's going to happen here? And they said, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, at that time, we had become part of a church uh, at that time. I mean, we hadn't, wait a second, sorry. We hadn't become part of the church at that time. But I had in my mind that, hey, when we, our church had soul winning times, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I told him, I'm not sure at this time where we're going to, what church we're going to be a part of. We had not moved up to Connecticut at that time. I said, but I said, I know I want to be involved in the activities. And so I found out later that they had soul winning at 10 o'clock on Saturday. So I told my boss at that time, I said, hey, I mentioned to you before, I'm a Christian, but now I said, I found out our church has soul winning this time. So I don't mind doing appointments early in the morning, but when it comes 10 o'clock, I need to be at the church for soul winning time. And you say, well, those aren't big things. You know, it was. It was because it made a witness. And you say, what happened there? You know, my other coworkers were not saved. But because of that simple witness that I am a Christian, I'm going to put God first. These are going to be priorities for me in my life. They didn't talk dirty around me. They didn't say use bad words. They didn't tell dirty jokes. They didn't call me over to look at the dirty pictures on the computer while we were there, Amen. while I was there. They didn't do that because they knew what my witness was. I remember one time with my boss, he, it was cold up in Connecticut. We're supposed to be going out, but none of us wanted to go out because it's really cold and you know, freezing up there. And my boss went off on a tirade. Curse words all over the place. Blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, sometimes when they get going, they start using God's name in vain and heavily saying Jesus Christ and all this stuff. And and after that, I, I said, I told him, I said, I need to speak with you. I need to speak with you before we head out. And he knew right away. As soon as we got into the office, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry. I, I know I got, I got going a little bit and I said some things I shouldn't have said, especially about who you believe in. You know, I appreciate that, right? I really do. I appreciate it. He was very good after that. Now, why did that happen, though? Why did it happen? Because when we started the job, we made a heap of witness. You understand this? This is a key part in Christians' lives today. In our day and age, we know there's just, there's a mess of what goes on. You know, people identify as this and that and the other. And hey, sometimes there's Christians that they say they're Christians, but apparently they're identifying with something else. I have no idea what it is, but it's not a Christian. You understand? So there's confusion about what is a Christian and what is to be expected. And so you have to decide this. This is an important truth in our life. Hey, I am a Christian. This is why I'm a Christian. This is who I, I have believed in. I know whom I have believed in. And so therefore, this is what you can expect of me, right? That's the whole idea of a heap of witness. Now, quickly today, I want to show you three heaps of witness from the passages, from these verses we read, that we must make as believers, all right, of Jesus in front of our families, in front of our neighbors and coworkers. Look at verse 17, verse 18 and verse 22. What did he say at the verse end of verse 18? For he is our God. We're, therefore, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. Verse 18 uh, there, verse 17, sorry. It said thing, for the Lord our God, he is it, he it is that brought us up 
and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. And verse 22, the same thing. And they said, oh, you have chosen, you are witnesses against yourself, that you have chosen you, the Lord. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, it should be very obvious as we look at this in these three verses here, that the first heap of witness that we must have is the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. That's what they're saying. Notice they said, he is our God. And Joshua said about them, ye have chosen you the Lord. My friends, have you made that decision in your life this morning? Today, have you made that decision? Yes, he is my Lord. In other words, verse 17, they said who their God was or is. It is God, they said, that led them out of Egypt. It is God that led them uh, with great signs and, and has preserved them. It is God that gave them victory over all the enemies when they went into the promised land. It is God that preserved them. It is God. You understand? They said this. This was their witness. I have a friend in Connecticut, and whenever we go soul winning, he loves to ask people, what is Jesus to you? He doesn't ask them, who is Jesus to you? Because if you ask who Jesus is to somebody, a lot of times they'll just simply say, he's the son of God. And yes, that is true. He asked them, what is Jesus? You say, what does that mean? Is Jesus just a good man? Is he just an angel? As some groups like to say, is Jesus one of many gods? We'll just add him to our gods, our beliefs. Is Jesus a myth? It, or, see, that's one idea, right? Or the question is, is Jesus your Savior, your Redeemer, your Sealer, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? Is Jesus the one that can complete you, as the book of Colossians says, and give you a peace that passes all understanding? There's a song that says, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Isn't that the truth? Do you know who Jesus is? My friends, you understand this first heap of witness. I want people to know who my God and Savior is because who he is is what my witness is in front of others. And you know this, this witness right here begins at that moment of salvation. That moment that you trust in Jesus to be your Savior and you say, I am a sinner. Yes, I am a sinner. I have broken God's laws. And yes, I am worthy. There is a wage of sin. That payment I cannot pay. It's death and hell forever. But yet Jesus paid that penalty for me when he died on the cross and shed his blood. And so because of that, I am willing to repent of my sins and I'm willing to trust in Jesus to be my one and only Savior. There is no other. At that moment, you have a witness. You understand, you know who Jesus is to you. He's not just somebody. He is now my Savior, my Lord. You understand what we're talking about? That's a heap of witness people need to know. They need to know that. They need to get that right there and say, yes, hey, that person over there, they're a Savior. I mean, sorry, that person over there, he, he, he's a Christian. He's a believer. And they know why, because you have told them why. That's a witness we need to have. The next witness uh, we see in this verse is their commitment to serve the Lord. Look at verse 21. They said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. 
It was a decision that they would not serve other gods. That's what they're saying. We will not serve other gods, but we are going to serve the Lord. My friends, there are, you understand there are many people today, even in the Bible, the buckle of the Bible about here in Greenville, right? There are many people today that do not understand why you like to come to church. They don't get it. You know, and especially as you go into New England states, and especially as you get into some of these weird states that I don't even know if they're really states anymore, you know, and especially as you go over into Europe, and even in Cambodia, they don't get it. They don't get it, do they? They don't get, why do you want to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Miraculous? Uh, why, why do you want to go to the various activities that your church has? What's the deal with that? They don't understand why you want to serve a God that you can't see because they're only interested in serving themselves. They make decisions based on their flesh and what makes them feel good. They make their decisions based on what other people say and what other people think they should do. But they have not made a heap of witness that says what? I will serve the Lord. Amen. You know, it's like this. The boss comes to you and say, hey, I got a new position for you. Right. But the new position means you're going to have to work on weekends. But you've already made that decision. You know, you got a witness here. I am a Christian. You made a witness. I'm going to serve the Lord. What are you going to say? But that new position means more money for the past, uh, for the church, right? Brother Adam's lesson this morning, you know, there's a balance there. Hey, if I'm working more, I got more money. I can help support more missionaries. Well, that's good, pastor. I can help support the pastor more. That's good as well, right? I can do this for God. But wait a second. What does God desire? Right. He desires that we are like Mary and are sitting at his feet, begging to know more, yearning to know more. You understand. And so a person who has made this decision that, hey, I will serve the Lord, says, hey, boss, I appreciate it. I really do. This is a great option. But, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to serve the Lord here. You know, maybe there's something else we could work out, but I'm going to serve the Lord. You say, what? That doesn't fit into the philosophy today. Yeah, I know it doesn't. But we're not talking about the philosophy of the world here. We're talking about a Bible philosophy, if you want to look at it in that way. No, it's a decision. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, I'm not going to put things of no value higher than the eternal value of giving God my all. Amen. Of glorifying him with everything that I do and say. No, I will serve the Lord. Amen. You see, my friends, our lives should be so predictable so that everyone, our family, neighbors, friend, co-workers, know what we will do in any given situation. It should be so predictable that they will even know our response. That when we, this happens, they should know that we're going to give glory to God regardless, right? It just says, Job, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what's got to come out. It must be predictable in that way. They must know that we will serve the Lord. There's one other heap of witness I want you to see in this passage. Look at verse 24. The Bible said, the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God. Right there we see all three points, don't we? Don't we see all three points in this message? That the Lord our God, there's our, hey, God, he is our God. That's our salvation. Then they said, will we serve? There's the next heap of witness. And his voice will we obey. Obviously, this phrase, this his voice will we obey, brings a, a variety of questions. 
If I am not obeying God's voice, whose voice am I listening to? And that the truth. And, and, and how do we know the voice of God? You see, we need to have this testimony, this heap of witness in our life that we are following the voice of God. And the voice of God comes from his precious word. You know that it comes from the Holy Spirit who will always agree with the word of God. In other words, you cannot say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, which is an obvious against God's word. It doesn't work that way. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, you know it's going to lead you to follow this word right here. So don't play games in that way. Hey, I want to share this little story about two years ago after we start up, uh, Mindy, two years ago, uh, six years ago after we started the ministry in Dumoneg. We had a, a group of young ladies that were coming to the church, some teens, and, and faithfully, and, and one of them uh, wanted to become a teacher, so we began to train her. I had spoke to the parents several times. They trusted in Christ. She trusted, uh, not the parents, uh, the young girl trusted in Christ. They gave a hard time about baptism, but eventually they allowed her to be baptized. And, uh, but as she began to be faithful, Pastor, she's coming faithfully all the time, wanting to teach, that seemed to be like taking over her life. That's how they looked at it. They began to fight back. And eventually, they, the family told the authorities that we were brainwashing the youth. Adam probably remembers this because about, about that time that we came over. And they said, we're brainwashing the youth. And we were teaching them to obey my voice more than the, the parents' voice. That's a, that's a big deal. You can imagine that. The officials is interesting. The officials never came to talk to me. They never came to ask me personally about any of this, but they called on the various members of the church. So they would bring them in, in front of the various leaders of the community, bring them in, and they would ask them pointed questions about my teaching and things like that. During one of their conversations, they asked a mother who faithfully attended the church, doesn't the Bible say that children are supposed to obey their parents? And uh, then they asked, she said, of course, that is correct. So then they asked, whose word is more important? That's the question they asked this lady. Well, the Lord gave her wisdom. And she said to the officials, who said that children are supposed to obey their parents. And the officials, they kind of knew, and they said, it comes from the Bible, God's word. And she said, I guess God's word then are more important than anyone else's words. Amen. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth right there? In this day and age, we have so many voices coming out. We have so many lies coming out. The World Health Organization, the CDC, uh, the news, everything. I mean, it's just a big mess. It's a, we have no idea if you're going to listen to all that junk all the time, 24-7, your mind is going to be so confused because it's not the voice of God. And sadly, we came to the time, it comes to the time many times in grief, we just need to turn that stuff off. We need to get back in the Word. We need to... <clears throat> 
Zanayan Yung said, we need to make ourselves used to God's word so much that when every conversation that we have, that it just kind of flows out of our mouth, out of, out of our mouth. In other words, God's words need to become so important to us that, that when we're talking to people and, and that we say something and they say something and eventually a verse comes out. And, you know, God's word says this. That's what it means. That's what we're talking about here. Hey, we will follow his voice. We need to be like Samuel, who when he realized that God was speaking to him, he says the Bible, it says this, did let none of God's words fall to the ground. And you know, there's a lot of voices we need to let fall to the ground. Just let them fall. Let them get buried. Let them get stomped on. We just need to let them go. Distractions, fears that keep us from following God the way he desires. His word should permeate our life in every conversation. Needs to come back to his word. You see, we need to be so familiar with his voice that when we need to make specific decisions, his voice is there to guide us because because we're sitting there humbly at his feet, just like Mary. In other words, when we make decisions, everyone needs to know their decision. Why did he make that decision? It doesn't make sense to me. Oh, I forgot. He's a Christian. Right. Oh, I forgot. He made that decision. He's going to serve the Lord. Oh, OK. I get it now. Yeah, I may not understand it all, but he's a Christian. You understand? That's the idea here. That's the heap of witness. And, you know, the quickly here you say, when did that begin? Well, you know, when it all began. You know, when God began to draw you close to him, it's salvation. And he began to tenderly call upon you. Perhaps it was a message, but you know it's just like, just like what happened to Abraham. There's many factors that God uses to bring us to him. And that's his voice. That's his voice drawing you in until the time that you say, I need to repent and call upon the name of the Lord. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, that's it. My friends, don't let that go. Stay there. Stick with that voice. Continually listen to it. Cleave to him. Know his voice. Because that's what it all it is. That's what it's about. Treasure it. Desire it. Obey it. You see, my friends, just in this passage, those are three heaps of witness that we need to make. You know, have you made that first heap of witness of salvation? That's the question for us this morning. Have you trusted in Christ to be your Lord and Savior today? Have you confessed your sins and trusted in Jesus and said, I'm not going to trust in anything I'm doing, but in Jesus. Have you done that today? If you haven't, that's the heap of witness you need to make today in front of your friends that are here today. Right. In front of the others here. Yes. I'm willing to call upon him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Right. What about believers here? Have you made that second heap of witness of service? That decision that, yeah, puts God first. Hey, we will serve the Lord. Hey, even the families. Have you made that? We will serve the Lord. It seems obvious, but yet it's not so obvious, simple sometimes. You got, you got to be wise. Man, I believe as time goes on and as it gets worse and worse in our society, that this heap of witness is going to become extremely important for you. And then the last one, have you made that third heap of witness of following his voice, knowing his voice, his and his alone, to help guide you through the murky 
Ness of our society today so that you can be led by him and know him and know that, yeah, this is what God wants me to do right now. Knowing his will, his way, and his time. You see, my friends, there should be no questions of whom we identify with. We are the children of God called to be lights in this dark world, right? Amen. That's what was going on here. That's the heaps of witnesses that we need to see today. Let's pray. Dear Father, as I close, this just comes, I'm sure Adam and, and even Pastor and others that have been abroad and, and been to different mission trips and things like that, this is a key thing for, for, for over in, in, in new, new areas. The believers have to stand up and say, yes, I am this now. Yet before I was that, but now I am this. I am different. I am a new creature. I am redeemed, sealed, as the book of Ephesians says, all the, all the, the richness, the wealth we have as believers. Lord, I pray that this short challenge will help us to think clearly today. A lot of people here, if you ask them, what their job is, they know right away and they'll say it right away. That's their witness. But what if you asked him, hey, do you, know who you've, do you know who you have believed in? Would they be able to share it? Do they know your voice? Do they know, Lord, have they made that decision to serve you completely? Lord, those, those are some decisions we have to make today. We really do. We have to make some heap of witnesses in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would give each and every one of us wisdom for these decisions on a daily basis. Wisdom, because we will be faced with trials. We will be faced with various decisions of, will this glorify you or not? And I pray, Lord, we would start with the salvation, not being ashamed of your gospel, Lord. I pray that we would make that decision to serve you today. And I pray that we'd make that heap of witness that, yeah, my decisions are going to be based on God's voice, His will, His way. Lord, I pray that you would use this mightily today. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, is there one here today? Just one, I don't know. I, I, it's the first time I've been here in eight years, so I don't know everyone, but is there one here today that, that doesn't have that heap of witness of salvation? I haven't made that decision yet. And you say, you know, Pastor John, I, I, I need to do that today. I, I want to make that decision today. Is there one that you just like to lift up your hand? Nobody's looking. Is there one, Pastor, I, I, I want to make that decision, the heap of witness today for salvation. I can't say that I'm saved, but I want to know that today. Is there one? Lift up your hand just quickly. Put it back down. Is there one? Believers, that's the question. Will you serve the Lord? Will you? The Jewish people were very strong about it, at least at that time of Joshua. And will you listen to his voice? These are some good heaps of witnesses that you can make today. Pastor, I'll let you close.